It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lauritsen. Today, I'm going to start off with a personal story about how I got very uncomfortable last night. <laughs> and it's nice that I can share this. I Oftentimes, when I feel uncomfortable, I think, well, <laughs> on the plus side, this just gives me more content for the podcast. And at least that allows me to kind of step outside of any of that pain and think about it in a more positive light. And I also feel like over time, the more distance we have from unpleasant parts of life, the the more perspective we have and we can realize that an emotion we feel in one moment isn't how we're going to feel forever. It'll go away. It'll dissipate. So... Last night, I received an email from somebody who was frustrated and disappointed and didn't like the way that I was doing things. And this was like a customer service related email. They had purchased one of the bundles. Jason and I have participated in a few, and I did one on my own. So, in addition to the several bundles sales that Jason and I did in in November, December, and January, I also chose to do one on my own this January, and I wanted to use it to launch my brand new ebook, The Mindful Mug, which is about ethical coffee. And I got invited to participate in this bundle sometime in the fall of 2020 and thought, you know what? I'd really love to write a new ebook. I'm going to use this bundle as an opportunity. And I, at the time, thought that that would be a really easy project and I can get it done very quickly. But I fell into a lot of procrastination. And some of that was due to things that were going on in life at the time I was traveling and then the holidays hit and I had my COVID scare and I, you know, there's just so much going on one after another. Plus I had the fortune of having a lot of projects come my way that I wasn't expecting. And so my schedule, my to-do list started to fill up and this ebook just kept getting put on the back burner. And I was really having trouble and still am in this moment having trouble completing it. I hope by the time this episode comes out that it's done. But as of today, January 11th, it is not complete yet. However, it was supposed to be complete before this bundle sale launched. And my workaround for that was to put up a little sign-up page. And anybody who purchased the bundle through me or, or anybody else, for those of you who don't know how bundle sale works, a bunch of different people come together to share their products and services. And refer people to this bundle sale. And so let's say John, who's sharing his ebook in the sale, if he refers Susie to the sale, then they will not only get John's book, but they'll get everybody else's, including mine. I love how I just use John and Susie. It feels so old school as as (laughs) names in the story. But uh, uh, anyways, so I had not been very focused on making sales. So ultimately, I just wanted to use this as an opportunity to get my ebook into more hands. So I created this sign-up page and said, hey, if you purchase the bundle, just enter your details here and I'll send you a copy of the book as soon as it's ready. Do you follow the story so far, Jason? I am right there with you. Okay, got it. Yes, by all means, continue. <laughs> it's good to check it. I hope the listener can follow too, right? And this 
I promise there's context to this story. So, you know, I'm doing my best trying to get the book done, balance the rest of my life, and definitely thrown off by a lot of things happening in the United States in early January, as I'm sure many people can relate to. And and by the way, Jason, this episode comes out on Inauguration Day, and I do have a tie-in for that in some way, I think, because I wanted to just mention that it's a really interesting time for us in the United States which I know any of our listeners who are based here can really relate to. But even outside of the U.S., people are certainly affected by this. It's a tense time. And it's been a tense time for a while due to COVID. Uh, It's been tense due to a lot of the things happening thanks to Black Lives Matter. I mean, it's just like, I feel like we're going almost through a purge. (laughs) A lot of shifts, a lot of realizations, a lot of awareness growing. And part of that process can be uncomfortable and bring out sides of people that aren't so pleasant. And I experienced part of that last night when I received a very angry email from somebody who purchased the bundle. This is a complete stranger to me who basically wrote me to say that they couldn't believe I asked them to sign up and give them my email address in exchange for the book. And I really should have just had my book available as an instant download, just like everybody else. And they called me unprofessional. They accused me of trying to trick them into getting on my mailing list. And they wanted to let me know that they just wanted to get their shit and unsubscribe from my list. And they reported me to the bundle organizers for being unprofessional and asked, like, why couldn't I just do everything like everybody else? And in their terms, do things correctly like everybody else. And it was a really, really tough email for me to receive, first of all. Getting feedback like that that you're not expecting is really tough. And I'm incredibly sensitive to feedback like that. No matter how many times I've gone through it, it always hurts. And to get that, it was like 1130 at night. And I was, you know, winding down. Yesterday was Sunday and it was a day I was really trying to take off. And I already was feeling like I was doing way more work than I wanted to on Sunday. And this email comes in. And I got so triggered, Jason. I I felt hurt because those words feel hurtful to me. Being called unprofessional, being accused of tricking someone, being told that I'm not doing things correctly, and then having my products referred to as shit, which honestly was more like that concept of calling your thing shit. Like, I just want to get my shit and be out of here, right? But still, like, I'm associating my ebook that I'm pouring my heart and time and all my any extra energy I have, which is few and far between now into this project and to have that associated with the word shit, I was like, this does not feel good. And then to make matters worse, after I received that email, the bundle organizers followed up saying like, hey, you know, I don't know if they said multiple people had complained, but definitely this one woman complained to them. I think it's a woman, by the way. I'm not 100% sure, but based on the name, I, I believe it's a woman that wrote me this email. It doesn't matter. And the bundle organizers followed up saying, like, we need to know when the book's going to be done. And then on top of all this hurt I was feeling, there was pressure and guilt. Me feeling like I'm not getting this project done fast enough. And now I feel really guilty that it wasn't done the way that everybody else did it. And so it was this layered experience I had right before I went to bed. And I decided, you know what? I'm not going to be able to sleep with these feelings. And the best thing I can do to cope, given that none of my friends are awake, like normally I probably would have called you, Jason, but I know you're asleep by that point. Yeah. And I probably would have turned to somebody and, you know, it's so late. There's no one there. And in a way, 
it gave me the opportunity to sit with myself and figure this out. And sometimes that's a really good thing. We can go inward, we can meditate, we can journal. I'm just sitting on the couch at the moment, like thinking, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to get through this and feel better as quickly as possible? And also, when these situations come up, my brain automatically goes to, how can I resolve this? What can I do? And I think that's actually part of my coping mechanism is like, if I can fix the problem quickly, then I don't have to feel these feelings anymore. Um, So I ended up staying up a few more hours working on the book, still haven't gotten it done, which gave me perspective. I'm like, this project is really big. It's much larger than I ever expected to because I'm not just like, I'm not creating shit. And it was the first realization was that this ebook is not shit to me. This ebook is coming from my heart and it's taking a lot of time and energy to put it together. And I felt like resentful, Jason, which I think you can really relate to of like that pressure to get something done on somebody else's timetable. So I suppose that's where we can begin. And I'm curious how you're feeling as you're listening to this story and how you can relate. I think it's a lot of layers to unpack with this, Whitney. And first of all, I just want to thank you and acknowledge you for bringing this to our episode today. And knowing you as a person and your psychology, your history, your spiritual cosmology, I know that this type of situation can be incredibly challenging and and triggering for you. So first off, thank you for bringing it to the table and speaking so openly about it. It brings up a lot of different dimensions for me in the sense that when we receive really critical feedback from a person we don't know, it can be tough, right? Because I think my filter on it, Whitney, is that when someone doesn't really know me, doesn't know who I am personally, I don't have this person in my life, they don't really know what my aim or intent is, right? Because it's difficult when we have public-facing brands. And you as Whitney Lauritsen, you having the brand Eco Vegan Gal, you having our Wellevator brand, you doing Beyond Measure, you have a lot of programs, you know, you have a lot of things on your plate is my point. And I think that there is sort of this increasing amount of attention as a public-facing person on the internet, a content creator, a coach, someone who's an author, you know, you fall into a lot of these different categories. And as such, by putting ourselves out into the world, and we've talked about this in previous episodes about internet trolls and YouTube comments and, and your struggles over the years and mine too with receiving really negative, hateful feedback from people sometimes who don't know who we are. You know, I think the initial reaction you're describing of like, (gasps) like this person feels like they're attacking me and they're calling my work shit, or at least that's how I'm interpreting it. It's an opportunity, I think, for us to look at a person's opinion of who we are or our conduct or our actions and sitting with ourselves and asking, does this resonate? It's almost like when someone says something about us, of you're shut down, or you're not being vulnerable, or you're not being authentic, or you're this, or you're that. I think that there's this sort of, in the new age community or the spiritual community, there's sort of this rhetoric of like, well, everyone's a mirror to you. And if someone brings up feedback, you should really take a look at it. And to a degree, I think that approach is wise. What I don't agree with is this automatic assessment that I see with a lot of people in psychoanalysis and doing work on ourselves of, they must be right. I must be an asshole. I must do shitty work. Their reflection and their mirroring of me must be correct. And maybe there's a shred of truth in it, 
But I think sitting with ourselves and really being with those comments and feedback and seeing if they resonate, I think that's a critical part of this, Whitney. And I'm curious, as you said, that I wasn't available and maybe some other friends weren't available at, at midnight or one in the morning to talk this through. What did you do when you sat with it? What kind of thoughts came up? How did you process this in real time? Well, I'm fortunate that I've been doing a lot of self-work for a while. And I think I've said this before, how I don't have all the answers. I don't have everything figured out. I, I probably never will. But what I do have is a lot of different tools. Like I mentioned, meditation, journaling, self-reflection, knowing what makes me feel good too. Like Because I get the sense of like a panicky sensation in those moments. Because it's very triggering for me. And to your point, Jason, it's like, I try not to go to either extreme of either believing somebody or not believing them and getting defensive. It's like, where can I find that middle ground? And like you said, my true north, what at the core is really going on here? And on, upon that reflection, the first thing I did was try to like see what parts of truth I could find within that person. Another great tool is Byron Katie's The Work, where she has you go through the exercise of asking, like, is this true, et cetera, and really examining our beliefs. And I didn't quite do that work, but I, I kind of do my own little versions of it. And I, I was just trying to think, like, all right, what's going on with this person? First and foremost, from a customer service standpoint, clearly this person had expectations that weren't met. And we've talked a lot about expectations on this show and how they can lead to a lot of pain. And both of us had expectations. I had an expectation that if I was very clear about the process in which to get my book in the state of that my book was in at the time, which you know I did my best on the website to write out like, I actually have words on there, the book's in process, it's brand new, please be patient. If you give me your email address, I'll be sure to send you a copy of it as soon as it's ready. And I said that multiple times on the website, I thought I was being clear. I don't know if that person saw that and still chose to write that email to me or like did not see any of that and had this knee-jerk reaction without investigating, right? I mean, that could certainly be the case. I don't know. And I may never know. I probably will never know. So just trying to think like, what's going on with this person? How can I help them? Not only does that seem like the best thing to do from a customer service standpoint, it's also part of my problem solving because I think like my reaction is, oh shit, I did something wrong. And this person's calling me out. I'm not quite sure if I did something wrong. I don't believe I did. But from this person's perspective, I did. And how can I make them feel better, which as a result might make me feel better because I tend to be a people pleaser for better or for worse. So then I tried to step back from myself after some deep breathing and think like, what's going on with this person? <laughs> I don't know who they are. I don't know their name. I'm not quite sure about their gender. But clearly, they had some sort of expectation because they're comparing me. They're giving me clues, right? So they're saying, like, why couldn't you have done it like everybody else? Which is a trigger for me because I hate being compared. I mean, who enjoys being compared, right? Especially in that bundle sale where I'm like with a bunch of other influencers. That sucks. So it's like immediately feeling like called out for being different, which is another trigger. You know, like who wants to be told that you're not doing things correctly and everybody else did it correctly? Like that sucks. <laughs> so like, but that does give me context because in this person's brain, they're like, well, everybody else did something and this person didn't do it the same way, which means they must be doing it wrong. So 
I'm like, okay, they had an expectations. There was a pattern disruptor and that was me, right? And then like, I don't know why they think I'm unprofessional, but that was another word that stung. However, they clearly have a different viewpoint of what professional means. And that's a really important thing here too. And this, by the way, ties into not just like this, my personal experience, but I think this ties into so many different elements of life, Jason, which is why I wanted to bring this up. And why I also mentioned like everything that's going on in our country, because I've had a lot of conversations recently about how different we are as human beings. I mean, that's really being revealed to us. We have different perspectives on COVID, whether we should wear masks or not, whether COVID's real or a conspiracy theory, like there's all these different viewpoints on COVID. And should you stay inside? Should you socialize? Should you travel? It's like, Everybody's kind of handling it a little bit different. We're not all on the same page. Clearly, we've got an issue with race in this country, and I'm sure in other countries as well. So we're not all on the same page with race. We're not all on the same page with politics. It's about 50-50 people who voted for one person or another. We've got Republicans versus Democrats. Like We've talked about how there isn't a ton of unity in the United States and in a lot of other countries or around the world. So my big point is that Just because we view things as one way, like just because I view myself as being professional in the best way I can in this situation, this other person does not view me as professional. Does that mean I'm unprofessional is a big question. (laughs) And that's like this ongoing thing. That person called me and told me that I'm not doing things correctly. Does that mean that I'm not doing them correctly? Not necessarily. Does that mean I'm I'm uh, producing shit work or I'm trying to trick someone? Like that was another term that they use. Like, I don't want to be tricked. And it's like, whoa, like I never intended to trick you. I, I thought I was being very clear. But through this person's lens, they believed that I am trying to trick them. And that triggered them. And then this is where it gets interesting is like if you start kind of analyzing it in this, you realize this person is scared at the end of the day. This person either feels threatened, maybe they're afraid that they paid for something and they're not going to get it. Like maybe this has happened to them before, or maybe this is a core fear of theirs. Like, I'm not going to get my money's worth, or this person's trying to take advantage of me. And if I look at it from that perspective, if I take myself out of the equation, there's a lot to learn there. And there's also a lot to relate to. The interesting part about what you're saying, Whitney, in the context of doing things differently or someone calling you out or shaming you or being angry or upset or triggered that you, quote, did something different. There's so many experiences in life like this. I remember being, as an aside, right, there's so many things to draw on, but in school, for instance, I remember being, oh God, what was I in? Trigonometry or something? And I remember the teacher was giving us formulas, right? A lot of math is formulas and figuring out how to implement different formulas to achieve a certain result. And I remember I went, I guess the back door, if you will, I didn't use the formula that he taught us. And yet I arrived at the correct answer. And I remember having a discussion in class with him about this and he got really upset with me. He's like, well, you didn't use the structure in the formula I showed you. And I said, I got to the right answer, didn't I? He said, yeah, but that's not the point. Math is about structure in this. And I remember feeling so shamed in that moment of I arrived at the quote, correct answer but he was upset with me that I didn't use the formula and the structure that I ought to. And there's many, many other examples to draw from in life, Whitney. I mean, we, we look at 
the deviants in our society. We look at the disruptors, I think they call them now, where we look at people that are in a particular category, whether they're artists or whether they are entrepreneurs or inventors, or we can think of a million examples of people who released music or created an invention. And at first, they were ridiculed and mocked and misunderstood. And then maybe years and decades later, people reflected back and went, oh my God, they were really onto something. I mean, we could go way, way back to look at Nikola Tesla in the time of Edison, you know, where Edison dwarfed him. But you look at the innovations and the genius that Tesla finally got credit for decades later. Again, there's so many examples we can bring up. So the big thing that jumps out to me, Wit, is this idea that you didn't do it right or that you were trying to swindle or lie to this person or be subversive or cheat them. And to your point, it sounds like it has a lot more to do with their personal history and their potential trauma or what they've experienced in the past, and they're overlaying that onto you, a person they do not know. But the interesting tidbit, though, is how people get so triggered when we do things differently, when we act outside of the box, we create something and put it out in the world that's so foreign and so bizarre that people can't wrap their minds or hearts around it. That's the most interesting part of this conversation to me so far. Absolutely. And and it's kind of like... You as a rebel, Jason, I think this probably speaks to you so much because you either want to do things differently or you tend to do things differently as part of your nature. And for me, I, I'm kind of in like a different place with it. I, we've talked so much about the four tendencies. So going back to that, for anyone who hasn't listened to any of our episodes, we'll link to at least one of them in our show notes at wellevator.com, which is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. The Four Tendencies is a really helpful framework for me. And Jason got the result of a rebel. I got the result of a questioner. And as a questioner, I tend to only do things when they make sense to me. So I will rebel. I will do things differently if doing them that way makes more sense. And in this case, it does, right? I mean, being able to finish my book in a time that doesn't burn me out and doesn't require me to create something shitty just to have it done. Like that makes sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me to put out crap work or how I perceive crap work just to get it done. And it doesn't make sense to me to stay up all night long to get something done in somebody else's timeline. What made sense to me was I'm going to get this done as soon as I possibly can, given everything else I have going on in my life. And what makes sense to me is that people can be patient, especially given that they bought a ton of different books. And if this person doesn't even know me, why the hell do they want my book so badly? <laughs> you know, like part of me was wondering, is this even about my book? Like, do they care about my book? And on that note, Jason, there was my first reaction was like, so resentful of this person. I was trying to think of a way that I wouldn't have to give them my book. I'm like, this person is so rude. I don't want them owning anything that I do. You know, and then I had to step back and say, okay, well, it's probably nothing to do with my book. Chances are I'm going to send them a copy of my book. They'll look at it once and never look at it again, right? They just want their stuff. And that's the other level of this is this obsession with possession. Like, I need to get what I paid for, even if I don't want it, even if I don't need it, even if I'm never going to use it, it's mine. And I think that's more what this is about. It's possible that this person got really excited when they saw there was a coffee book. And they clicked on a button thinking that they would have instant access to it. And they felt disappointed. And that's relatable, but would have worked better for me communication-wise if they had said that, if they had said, hey, Whitney, 
I'm curious, like when I'm going to get a copy of my book, I'm really looking forward to reading it. I was hoping I could use it tonight because I want to use it for my coffee tomorrow morning. You know, something like that. Oh gosh, like a completely different response. I probably would have stayed up all night to finish it. Instead, I did try to stay up all night, Jason, because I was like, you know what? I just want to get this book done. I'm so annoyed right now. Like, let me just see what I can do. But as I started working on it, I realized I just don't get things done that fast. And B, like, I needed to sleep. (laughs) I went to bed at 3 a.m. and I had horrible sleep last night. But 3 a.m. was the latest I could handle, even though I I tried. And so it's different energetically, though, because I wonder if I had received a really kind, honest email that felt supportive, like maybe I could have pushed through somehow because I would have had a, a different energy behind it, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. It's almost like when we create out of duress or distress or pressure, some people might argue with that. We've had conversations, you and I, Whitney, about this tendency for people who may classify themselves as procrastinators that they get off on the adrenaline and the hormonal rush of waiting till the last minute and that rush of energy and that pressure. But I think for me, generally speaking, I find that creating with those kind of emotions, distress, pressure, shame, feeling like I have to please someone or fulfill some sort of obligation, I don't really find that the work that I do under those sort of frameworks feels that good. You know, I've noticed that it's not to say that deadlines aren't important or setting metrics for yourself to complete things in a certain time frame. I think those are very effective ways of conducting yourself as a creator and a, and a business person. But I think for you, trying to get that book done last night under this pressure and stress or shame or this person accusing you of things, I'm personally am glad you didn't finish it because I think that the energy in which you would have put into finishing it in that context probably wouldn't have resulted in your best work. Would you agree with that? Does that resonate? Well, it's interesting because yes, it, it does resonate, but also how intuitively I couldn't even go there. Like I started working on it and I, I noticed my joy again. I was like, gosh, I love this book. You know, like even though the book feels like a burden right now because of the energy behind it and the fact that I have guilt and I feel like I messed up because I have been procrastinating so much. It also leads me to another thing, Jason is that some things can't be forced. And I think that's part of the lesson here for me is that so much in life wants to force us to do things based on other people's timetables, other people's needs, other people's desires, and other people's definition of how things should be. As we talked about in our episode with Trisha, the joyologist, this idea of should. And creatively, It's really tough to create great work when you're trying to do things the way other people want them done and when they want them done. And I think this is part of the huge lesson for me. It's like, I would so much rather be in a place where I have that flexibility to get something done how I want to do it, when I want to do it, with some accountability, right? That grace period, really. I mean, when somebody says, hey, this was your original deadline. But you know what? I'm going to give you an extension. Like that's such a great feeling because then sometimes that's where the magic happens. And on the other hand, the pressure though of the situation also ended up helping my creativity. It pushed me in the direction to get some movement, which was really helpful. But it was like my brain said, all right, you do feel the pressure. You are going to get some stuff done. 
but still it's going to happen in, in the time frame that it's meant to happen. And I think that was part of the hardship of this experience was that I really felt sad and ashamed. I felt like people didn't understand me. Like I think you touched upon that earlier, Jason. It's like, I think it's going back to this idea of doing things differently. It's like when you, you're doing something earnestly and then someone says, well, your way sucks. And you're like, wow, like I really thought this was the right thing for me. And I still deep down believe it's the right thing for me, but it sucks to be told that it's not right, even if you know it is right. I think that requires a lot of fortitude, doesn't it? And inner fortitude of being on the receiving end of a lot of criticism. And I brought up somebody like Nikola Tesla, or we could talk about Elon Musk, we could talk about Steve Jobs, we could talk about Toni Morrison, we could talk about there's so many incredible humans we could discuss who in their careers faced an incredible amount of opposition, an incredible amount of pressure, an incredible amount of expectation, an unbelievable amount of people saying, you're wrong, you're doing this incorrectly, you're going to lose, you're going to be defeated. Or in some cases, certain people that wanted to revolutionize particular industries being crushed by the, literally crushed by the competition. I mean, one person that comes to mind in the pantheon of history is Tucker, who started the automotive company back in the 50s. And the big three literally crushed him because he was introducing safety features and adaptive headlights and things that were going to keep people protected. And as an example, the big three, Ford, General Motors, and Chrysler, went on an entire campaign of following him, having him surveilled, soiling his name in the media. And eventually, the Tucker Car Company went under because they were on a mission to destroy him. And I think in some ways, that, that's a radical example. But what you're describing, Whitney, is this, is this reactivity from humanity to not understand things. Oh, you're a different religion, or maybe you believe in something I don't understand, or you're transgender, or maybe you use pronouns I don't understand. Or what do you mean that you're in a category of sexuality we don't understand? Or again, there are so many examples right now, Whitney, of how people in our world are violently reacting to people who think, love, feel, act, and create differently. And I think it's necessary. I, I believe that one of the only ways that humanity is going to continue to survive on this planet, and who knows, maybe other planets. There's some really interesting things being talked about with, again, Elon Musk and other people wanting to create colonies on Mars by 2050. I think for human beings to survive in the universe, it is a necessary part of our evolutionary steps to do things completely differently, to innovate, to think outside the box, all those cliche phrases, but they're true. Because if we keep doing things the way we've done them, what do we get? We get the same result. We get the same result over and over again. Do I want the same results with looking at climate change and the violence and the racism and the hatred and the apathy and the division and all of the changes you described at the beginning of this episode, Whitney? We're not going to solve those issues and come together and even have respectful, loving conversations unless we think and act differently. Because doing the same shit has got us to where we are now. So to your point, I think zooming out from this conversation, you're absolutely right. And if you feel in your heart you're doing something good and you are serving the world and you're contributing to life, then if people criticize you, look down upon you, say you're wrong, you and I and everyone who's trying to do differently has to build the fortitude and the will to 
be able to endure those kind of criticisms, right? I mean, think about all those people we mentioned, Wit and more. Like, what if they had just been like, yeah, everybody kind of hates me and they don't believe in me. Fuck it. I'm going to give up. I mean, think about what the world would have been robbed of in terms of the beautiful creations we've been blessed with if these innovators would have given up. I mean, I really think about that sometimes. So in your situation, I say, fucking keep doing things differently. And you know me, sometimes I'm like, fuck what people think. Just do you. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly easier said than done. And if you have people-pleasing tendencies, it can feel really challenging because I think for much of my life, if not most of my life, I felt like I have to put myself second behind somebody else. And if someone's not satisfied, I should listen to them and do things their way. And that's like a coping mechanism. I associate that with survival. And this is the type of thing that triggers it. It's like, I did something wrong, you know, and that's like the heaviness of all of this, especially that this person sent me that message and then they went and reported it to the bundle people. And now I feel publicly shamed. (laughs) And that's a form of control manipulation, right? It's like, I'm going to go report you so that you have to pay for that. You know, it's like such an extreme reaction, especially in this case. And it reminds me a lot of writing somebody a bad review on Yelp or Amazon or wherever else. It's like, I'm dissatisfied. So instead of coming to you and asking you to help fix it, I'm going to publicly shame you and tell you how dissatisfied I am, which is going to impact your business. It also reminded me of this product I received recently as a gift. When I opened it up, the very first thing I saw inside the box was a little card that said, are you having any problems with this product? Send us an email first so we can fix it before you write us a bad review. And I felt so sad reading that note because clearly they've had this experience where somebody receives something, it doesn't meet their expectation, it's not working properly, they don't understand it. And before they go to try to resolve it with the company privately, their knee-jerk reaction is to go publicly shame this person for not doing whatever they wanted it to do, right? And we've talked a lot about cancel culture on this show, and it's very similar. It's like, I disagree with you. You're not doing the things that I want. So I'm going to go try to cancel you, ruin you, destroy you, make sure nobody else has that experience. You and I have experienced this in so many ways, Jason. People did that to you with your television show. People have done that with negative reviews on our books. And in fact, you and I received a negative comment in our course wellness warrior training today, which, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I was like, whatever. But this person basically commented publicly in our course, like, well, this lesson really wasn't that great. Like, it, I already knew all of this and it seemed like you weren't really getting deep into it. It was something like that. And I was just like, screw you. Like, why would you write that publicly? Like, what is the point so that you can publicly embarrass us so that you can prove publicly that you know better than us? Right. You know what I mean? It's like, that doesn't solve anything. And it's in the ego. It makes their ego feel good in that moment. But it has such a ripple effect that most people don't want to take responsibility for. I hear a lot of this, too, with friends of ours that have brick and mortar businesses and are on Yelp. And my God, the horror stories of talking to some of our friends about their Yelp reviews and how one of our friends had an ex-boyfriend who was really angry after their breakup and left 
this horrifying review on Yelp and how much struggle it has taken for her to get this Yelp review taken down, right? Of saying to Yelp, this actually wasn't a customer. He's never shopped in the store. He left this review because he wanted to do something awful to me after we broke up and how it's been nearly impossible for her to get that Yelp review taken down. And this goes back to, I think, that the internet has created this artificial barrier of illusion where we think that our words and our energy doesn't affect the other person on the other side of the screen. And I think we've said some version of this on the podcast before where I guarantee most of the people leaving comments like this would not have the gumption or the courage to say it to someone's face directly. And so the tricky part now is when we are putting out, again, companies, products, businesses, coaching, books, all the things that we're doing, that we open ourselves to the possibility of being criticized, hated, shamed, trolled. And in some cases, there's not a lot we can do about it, Whitney. I mean, this is part of my desire at times to be off of social media and be off of digital media completely is I don't really want to be at the behest of people ripping my book, ripping my TV show, ripping my YouTube videos. I mean, I, I haven't put out a ton of YouTube videos this year, but I still get negative comments. It's like, what do you people want? What do you want? And also, I, I say that somewhat facetiously because I don't exactly have an answer to what is the path to joy and contentment in this world, but I know that trying to please everyone is a road to hell, one's own personal hell, thinking that we need to please everyone. It doesn't mean that we don't try and address these customer service concerns. Obviously, the, the foundation of this episode is talking about criticism and communication and reaction and response and people feeling entitled to things and people feeling triggered. There's so many layers to this episode. Yet, I also think that this idea that the customer is always right, as a business owner, I do not agree with it. I will go out of my way to rectify a situation. I've gotten really angry emails just like this one, Whitney, from people saying, you didn't deliver this on time, and where's my audio course, and where's this thing, and where's the bonus? And and I try to go out of my way. Actually, last year, I refunded someone's money for something they purchased, even though they had gone through it. And even though we had communicated, they were so adamant about wanting a refund. They were so like, you have to give me a refund or else, that kind of posture. And I knew there was a part of me that was like, I really feel you're wrong, madam. I really feel you're wrong. But I know that me giving you this refund is going to dissipate this energy. It's going to dissolve the tension around us. And I also don't need to be right, right? And so in that particular situation, I had to swallow a lot of pride. I was like, I really feel you're wrong right now. I really, really, based on the agreement we had around this thing, you are really breaking the agreement. But I also feel like in the amount of money that was up for concern and refund, Whitney, it was easier for me to say, I want to let this situation go and I want you out of my life. Here's your money back. Good day. But I don't really feel that's necessarily the approach in every situation. In that particular situation, I just wanted to dissolve the tension and the anger and let it go. Exactly. And, and I feel like trying to change somebody in those situations is rarely going to happen. And it is often the path of least resistance to give that person what they want. Even though on some level, it feels wrong because you don't feel like that person is deserving and they maybe are taking advantage and you don't want to 
reward their bad behavior. That was part of how I felt. It's like, why would I respond to this person? But, you know, my fear was if I don't respond to this person, is it going to be escalated? So I had to put my ego aside and say, I'm going to handle this with as much grace as I know how to. And I'm going to give this person what they believe they paid for. And that's it. Like, I'm not giving them anything else. And then I'm going to block their email address. So if they come around and they try to claim something else or they, you know, they want to um, shame me further or rip apart my book once they receive it, like it could go to those other directions. It probably won't. Like this person might. This is the other thing I found time and time again, because I, you know, I responded to this person over 12 hours ago and they had they didn't write me back. And that's the big thing that I have found over and over again with customer service emails is a lot of the times when you respond to somebody like that, they don't even acknowledge your response. And sometimes I'm like, what the heck? Like I took all this time to try to give you some answers and you can't even acknowledge it. That happened with my cookbook, the Vegan Ketogenic Diet Cookbook. I think I might've talked about this in an episode actually, but this woman sent me an email telling me how bad she thought the recipes were and she couldn't believe it and she wasted her money and on and on. I don't know if she wrote an Amazon review or anything, but I was actually grateful that she sent me the email and I immediately replied to it, like literally within minutes because I was in front of my computer when it came in and I never heard from her again. And in my email, I was even like, how can I fix this? What can I do? No response. And I remember thinking, gosh, like maybe she just needed to send that email. And when she heard from me and realized I was a real person and I was trying to solve her problem, she felt satisfied and she didn't need to do anything else. (laughs) You know, and like sometimes, oftentimes, I should say that's kind of as far as it goes. And it also gives me perspective and is a great reminder for how I handle things when I'm frustrated. Like whenever I get to that point and I'm like, gosh, like I didn't get what I expected. I didn't get what I was promised. Like I want something in return for it. Like I think it's helpful to remember these situations that I've experienced and say like, I don't want anyone else to feel that way. Now I can't control it because sometimes I could try my best to be gentle and somebody still perceives it or receives it as as harsh, right? It's all in the eyes of the beholder, but I can certainly do my best and lead with that intention. And that's one big lesson that I've learned from this. And it's also a great opportunity to step back and notice my own triggers. And as you were saying earlier, sometimes it is a reflection, maybe not necessarily a mirror, but I have to realize that I'm interpreting this email in my own way based on my triggers and based on my experiences. So perhaps that person didn't intend it the way that I interpreted it. And that man or woman doesn't have control over me and I don't have control over them. (laughs) And it's like, all right, well, hopefully doing the best that we can. And I think that's also like how you dissipate it too. Lastly, I would say is that we can start to transform the energy a little bit. We don't need to fight fire with fire. I don't think that's really helpful. I think sometimes we just pour water on it and move on. There's a sort of ism. I love bringing up isms and quotes here. And one of the biggest things that my mentor Michael has reinforced over the years is is the idea that you can be right or you can be happy. And I'd like to substitute the word content or at peace better than happy because I feel like contentment and 
peace is a more sustainable aim than being happy all the time. But I think in certain situations, Whitney, I, I've become better at checking myself of, do I really feel the need to be right here? Do I need to feel the need to beat this person, to show them I'm right, to show them how wrong they are? And I think that a lot of our conflict and strife and separation and division in this world on a fundamental level is we go back to politics and culture and things we've interwoven in this episode, that one of the mentalities that continues to exacerbate all of the chaos that we're having is people's vehement need to be right. Whether that's saying, my form of sexuality is the only sexuality that matters, or my God is the only God, your gods are all false gods, or this particular political stance, or this economic theory, or the theory of creationism versus the Big Bang. I mean, we again go back to this sort of dualistic approach that not just the duality, I think there is an inherent posture with dualistic thinking of mine is the right way, I am correct, and you are wrong. And I think that on a fundamental level of consciousness, again, the conflicts, many of the conflicts, not all, but I would venture to say most, could be dissipated if people could let go of their position of needing to be right and proving the other person wrong to the point of violence, killing people, condemning them, bashing them, cancel culture. And if we go a level deeper with what is the need to be right all about? Is it safety? Is it security? As long as I'm secure in my viewpoint of God, sexuality, religion, politics, economics, whiteness, whatever it is, as long as I'm secure in my position, I'm safe because you're wrong and I know I'm right. Maybe it is a safety thing. Maybe it's an ego thing. I'm curious, you know, why do you think people feel the need to be right? What do you think's driving it? I think it is a safety and security thing. And I think it's it's also not super conscious in most of our minds. It's part of how we're raised. It's part of the culture. We're encouraged to treat each other that way in some ways. You know, even though our teachers might have done their best to teach us to be kind to one another and accepting to one another, as certainly my school system did. I remember very clearly a lot of those lessons, like even don't judge a book by its cover. I learned about racism when I was really little and just a lot of wonderful things that I think throughout my life really helped me. But that doesn't mean that everybody received the same education or abided by it. And we also have our parental figures and our friends and so many other influences and not to mention our current president, or at least <laughs> today, the episode comes out, we have a new president, which is a relief in the sense that I think our former president led by an example of division and ego and encouraging people to have knee-jerk reactions and not being accepting of one another. And Republican or not, like I'm not a fan of how of that outlook. And I think, you know, how can you blame people if if they're being told by the president that it's okay to act that way? Like a lot of people might see that as permission. They're looking at a role model. And that again, that could be your president, your teachers, your friends, your family members, so many people. If especially if all of them are on the same page, of course you're going to think that that's the way you go about life and that's how you get what you want. And I don't see life that way. That's not how I was raised. And it's not a president that I align with. So, 
it's a completely different perspective than somebody else who might be in alignment with that. Yeah, this I think is one of the greatest challenges. I think as we're getting close to the end of this episode is how do we try our best to understand one another when our perspectives, beliefs, conditioning, programming are all very different. And I think I think at the core what I hope to believe is that at the core, I think most human beings want the same things, Whitney. I really do. I think that people want to feel safe. People want to feel secure. People want to make sure that their families and their children, their loved ones are taken care of and that their needs are met, that there's connection, that they feel loved and seen and heard, that they feel healthy and vibrant. I really think at the core, people are going about this in very, very, very different ways. But I think there's at the core desire and maybe the core fear of human beings, we are a lot more similar than we give ourselves credit for. And that is not to say that I condone radical behaviors or I condone hatred, I condone disrespect, I condone violence, I condone people destroying one another. I think the desire and the fear of, am I going to get my needs met? Am I going to be safe? Am I going to be secure? Is this going to threaten my family? Is this going to threaten, I mean, if we really go down to it, threaten my identity of who I think I am? I mean, then we see people reacting in very, very interesting ways of this might threaten the concept of who I think I am. I don't know. I mean, I I wonder by the end of our lifetimes, Whitney, if we are kind of piggybacking on a, a conversation from one of our guests, Ibrahim Sharkas, of are we going to find more peace on this planet? Are we going to find more unity with humanity? I think if people were to maybe get in touch with these fears and these desires and looking how threatened they feel and how they need to feel they need to protect themselves, I think maybe we can start having deeper conversations around like, okay, you feel afraid, you feel threatened, you feel like your identity or your safety or your security is being threatened by this thing. But can we get to a level of sharing resources and sharing ideas and not being so greedy and not being so insular and I don't claim to have any of the answers. We're just exploring this in real time as we always do here on This Might Get Uncomfortable. But I think at the level of belief and the level of fear and the level of desire and the level of identity, if people start really doing hard work on themselves, because this shit is not easy, if we start to transform ourselves on an individual level, it has a massive ripple effect on this world. And I think that's been a huge shift for me, Wit, is as an activist thinking, I need to save the animals, I need to save the planet, I need to save the world. What about climate change? What about factory farming? What about racism? What about this? Taking a critical look at our contribution to all of it and how we're showing up in the world, I think that's the only way we're going to shift all of it. I think that's really the only way. And you know, as we conclude this episode, again, I just want to go back to commending you, Whitney, for bringing this to the table and sharing such an intimate personal challenge you're going through. I think that's really, again, one of the only ways we are going to get through is we ask each other for support. We figure it out on our own. We do the hard work on ourselves. And that's really what our intention here is with our brand Wellevator. And with this might get uncomfortable is asking these questions. How do we shift? How do we change? How do we evolve? How do we have difficult conversations with ourselves and other people? And it certainly is something that I don't feel has an end point. I don't feel that transformation has an endpoint. It's one of the reasons we keep rolling out episodes, you know, is <laughs> that we're on this journey of trying to figure out what the hell does it mean to be human? Well, before we end, I guess 
my question for you, Jason, is what advice would you have given me if you had been awake last night when this happened and I had reached out to you and told you this story? What would have been like the quick little suggestion that you would have had for me, if any? Probably telling you to respond to this human being as directly and honestly as possible. Wasn't my intention to mislead you. I wasn't trying to pull the wool over your eyes or do something subversive. I am putting these out in these bundles and at the same time wanting to, yeah, I do want to build my email list because I feel like I have a lot of really amazing resources and perspectives that I think could benefit you and you might be interested in. And so I'm doing this not to be sneaky, not to be sly, not to be subversive, very transparent that I'm doing things differently because in order to grow my business and get my work out into the world to help people, that's my intention is to help and support people, I'm doing things differently. I'm sorry to hear that you got triggered by this. It wasn't my intent to mislead you or misguide you. And I want to make sure you feel heard right now. I think something like that is how I would have responded to that email. Well, that's beautifully said. I I think that I accomplished a good amount of that, but I I really would have found it helpful to hear that last night, Jason. (laughs) And I'm grateful to hear it now. Well, this is the journey, right? And we're not going to get it, quote, right every single time. And that's a whole other thing of what does it even mean to get it right or get it wrong anyway? Oh, boy. It's not easy, this human journey. And that's, I think, one of the core reasons, again, why Whitney and I are here. We're having these conversations. And to you, dear listener, if this resonates, we always love when you share our episodes, when you spread this to your family and friends. We have so many core listeners that have been with us from the beginning, and we thank you. And to any new listeners, thanks for joining us. If you've heard about us through any of our friends or guests on TikTok or social media, or you've heard this through whatever digital grapevine, welcome. We appreciate you being here. And to dig into any of the resources or the show notes or the transcripts that we've mentioned today, you can go to our website, which is once again, wellevator.com. That's spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. You can go there, click on the podcast section. And we also have a free resources section with some really incredible eBooks and some free video trainings talking about consciousness, talking about consistency, talking about taking charge of your life, the psychological, spiritual, physical, mental, cultural things that we like to dive into. So feel free to access those free resources, listen to the previous episodes, and we are just here to give and support and be of contribution to life. That is our, I think, primary intention. So thank you for being on the journey with us. Thanks for getting uncomfortable. And if you want to shoot us a message, you can email us at hello at wellevator.com. Until next time, dear listener, we appreciate you. Whitney, I appreciate you for again being so open and vulnerable and willing to talk about this. And we will catch you with another episode of This Might Get Uncomfortable really soon. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.